You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I normally sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. But from time to time, I also like to sit down with fellow craft beer media personalities, because there's nothing better than sitting down with a fellow craft beer nerd, talking about craft beer, talking about our experiences, being a craft beer media personality. Nobody understands our problems, our very first world craft beer problems better than each other. So it's always a very refreshing thing to do to sit down with a fellow craft beer media personality, which is what I'm going to do today. Devastation on the Nation 2020 is less than two months away. This year's lineup features Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. Some of these shows have already sold out, so if you do not have your tickets, you absolutely should pick one up, because I can guarantee you that more of these shows are going to sell out. You can grab your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast, or you could simply go to www.metalfestivaltours.com. Devastation on the Nation 2020 is proudly brought to you by Metal Festival Tours, Continental Touring, and yours truly, the Vox and Hops Podcast. Trust me, this is a party that you do not want to miss. Devastation on the Nation 2020. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead from BAOS Podcast. Right now, you're listening to my man Maddie on Vox and Hops. Let's go. Hey, that's right. Thank you so much, C. Love you, brother. Everyone should go check out the BAOS podcast. Love that guy so much. Cheers. On today's episode, I'm with the local Quebec craft beer king. On Vox and Hops today, I'm with Noah Forrest of Beerism.ca. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 106. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Noah Forrest from Beerism.ca. How are you doing? You are the big dog of the craft beer blog world. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Very well, very well. We met uh, for the first time at Masorum Brassatorium when they were doing their soft launches. When I get out of the house once a year. (laughs) At least it's it's for Masorum. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Everyone listening at home, I always talk about Masorum because they are doing such great things up here in Montreal. They are. What is, uh, let's just start off with that. What is your opinion of them? How do you think they've done in the short time that they've been open? I, I think they're uh, offering basically what the city wants. You know, I mean, their hazy IPAs are what, you know, the beer geek culture and basically just people getting into beer are, are super into. So it makes sense that we start seeing more of these pop up and uh, out of the gate. You know, a lot of people complained about the beer being a bit green, which I guess it was. But at the same time, there's always a learning curve and I've been enjoying everything they've been doing. Absolutely. You know, they had a new system. They were excited to get beers out. Hypothetically, maybe they pushed it a bit too quickly, but now they're just banging it out. Big time. Let's take me back to your first beer. My first beer in life? Yes. Wow. I'm thinking maybe Bullmax. Do you remember Bullmax? I remember Bullmax. <laughs> it's like a cold 45, people listening. Yeah. The Americans it, was, listening. it was the first 40s that we got in Quebec. And then it was shortly followed by a couple other awful ones. And then eventually you got them in like Blue and Molson and all that. Oh, there's that series of like 9.1, 10.1, <laughs> 11.1. Why was it 0.1? It makes yeah, no sense. <laughs> I, I know, it was, 
but yeah, I, I actually hated beer. Um, you know, the first few times I tried alcohol and wanted to like get tipsy or whatever, I, I couldn't stand the taste of it. So I would drink like Kahlua or sweet stuff. But I guess in just some effort of getting loaded at a young age, I grabbed a Bull Max and it would like block my nose and chuck it because <laughs> it was awful. Um, but somehow in all that, I guess I developed a taste for it over time. It's it's uh, something that happens when you're young. You 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 want to have fun. You want to fit into that group. Exactly. And uh, you you have to make sacrifices. Right now, you're drinking a very dark and ominous beer, which you brought me. And when I mentioned that we were going to do this, you said, "I have. I'm going to bring you the most metal beer." <laughs> from my beer cellar. So what did you bring us to drink today? I brought McKellar Black, um, which is already a ridiculous beer. But this this particular version of McKellar Black is barrel-aged in a combination of tequila barrels and Speyside spice, uh, spice barrels, uh, whiskey. Um, it's almost 19%. It's kind of absurd. Um, I've had it in the cellar for at least five years, I think. And you know what? It's actually not drinking terribly. Let's see what it's I got. Was Presuming it would be a terrible mess, but it's not bad. It's absolutely dark and ominous, like my Cheers. soul. Cheers. It smells boozy as fuck. Yep. What do you think? It's still good and smooth and drinkable. It's not overpowering. It almost tastes like a port. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely got that whiskey. When they were in fresh, there. they had uh, they almost tasted like paint thinner. Really? Yeah, like you put your nose in there and you're like, oh. And not even like a vodka smell, like a real... Like almost chemically smell, but they always tasted kind of good. But yeah, we'll we'll sip this one slowly. Yes, always a big fan <laughs> of McKellar. Um, they never disappoint. I, I enjoy all the brews that they put out. Uh, let's take me back to the first craft beer. What was that first experience when you discovered that Bull Max sucked <laughs> and you stopped holding your nose and you started drinking beer for the pleasure of it? So, you know, I moved on to just drinking the the usual stuff that everyone does and, you know, liking Heineken or the imports or drinking whatever. But in terms of craft beer, it all kind of started when I moved to Point St. Charles. There was this dep across the street and they had Zudciel in the the fridges. And I grabbed two of them. I think one was Peche and one was Aphrodisiac. Um, And trying them and just like, they were so different. You know what I mean? It was something I'd never really tasted before. Like, I remember drinking Peche and just being kind of mind-blown a little bit. And then it kind of just slowly went from there. I really got into English ales, which they had in a lot of the LCBOs when I'd go visit uh, family in Ottawa. Um, but I think the one that really kind of piqued my interest 100% was um, the IPA from Ziel. Um Diable. Yeah, Exactly. I remember having that and it was like attacking my tongue mm-hmm. uh, in a bitterness that I'd never really experienced before. And at first it's off-putting and then you kind of really slowly get addicted to it. So that kind of was like the introduction of hops, which then kind of sparked that in me. And then and then slowly falling in love with, you know, Belgian yeast. And then from there discovering what we have in Quebec. Because Quebec at the time was mostly Belgian-centric. Now we've shifted a bit. but So that was my my kind of journey. And then it grew from there. It must have been crazy the first time you crack open that Peche Martel, going from Heineken, nice clear beers, I mean, I into dug, a nice stout. I dug Guinness at the time. Like, I used to go to the bar and drink them all night. So I wasn't totally 
adverse to darker beers, but Pesce was on a whole other level. I remember drinking it out of the bottle too, which is kind of just an absurd <laughs> thing to do with that beer. But what brought, what brought you towards them? Was it the artwork? Because I, yeah. I remember for myself, I also started getting into craft beer via Zut Ciel, and it was really their artwork that brought me in. Yeah, and I was lucky because I lived next to um, somebody who's now a, a close friend, Um who came from California and he'd been into beer for ages. And I think when I showed him what I'd bought, he's like, no, no, they're great. And then he kind of helped guide me a little bit more too. And he did a lot of homebrew. So he'd bring me beers here and there just to try. But I also just didn't know anything back then. At what point did the blog start? What, what inspired you to become a blogger? Who were, were there people that were blogging already? Um, back then there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a ton. Um, I started my blog about almost eight years ago. Um, it kind of started as me, like as I was explaining earlier, just discovering beers. And then what I started doing is taking like a photo, like a photo with my cell phone against the same wall and just posting on Facebook, like under my regular profile. And then it kind of became my thing where people would comment or whatever. And then someone had suggested like, you know, do something else like make a blog and uh and so i just decided to do that and then started writing more and it wasn't just tasting notes but you know descriptions and backgrounds and and i had a lot of fun with it so that's how it started and uh it's been going i've watched a lot of people come and go over the last eight years i don't see many bloggers lasting more than a year or two and i don't even see any more bloggers coming down the line now that instagram and um, social media in general is kind of running the show. I don't think the website is going to last. I don't know. We'll see. Even for yourself. For saying. me, I think I'll let it, I'll, I'll keep it going for a while. I don't see it ending anytime particularly soon, but who knows? What are some of the complications of running? Why do you think people jump in and then jump out? There is no, there's like little to no feedback or you don't, you don't get a lot from it except for personal satisfaction because you put hours into this thing you write it, whatever, and, and then it's there. It's on the internet, and then you try and promote it by either posting it on your various social media pages. But if you haven't put the time into, like, gaining a following... And even back, like, a few years ago, gaining a following was not even... It wasn't something that every everyday people did, you know, because that's more of a thing now with influencers and all that. It's like everyone's talking about their following or whatever. But back then, people just assumed, if I put this on the internet, everyone's going to want to read it and talk about it or whatever. So, like, you put on this time into this thing... And then uh, you go check your stats and four people looked at it, you know, and you sign up so, at Google Analytics. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, not politics, but, you know, if, if someone tries and push boundaries or be negative, then one part of the community starts kind of attacking them and, you know, rubs them the wrong way or the opposite. If you're just like saying everything's amazing and you can get, criti- get criticism that way. So I think it, that deters people. And honestly, back until the last few years, there was no such thing as beer mail or free beer. Like everything that you did, you bought yourself. Like that's really just a, a contemporary, like a really new thing. That's that that a lot of people are. So up until a few years ago, every beer that is on beerism.ca is something that you went out and you purchased or a friend purchased for you. Yes. And you put your money into it and then you posted your opinions online. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I guess I probably started getting samples and stuff about five years ago. Do you remember that first one? Yeah. Your first free beer? I don't know. I don't know if it was definitely my first one, but 
Um, you're familiar with Dunham, Brasley Dunham, of course. Of course. Um, they do these bottle releases and th- they do them three, four five times a year now. So they're not as like epic in the sense of, you know, they don't have crazy lineups and they've developed such a good system that you don't even need to line up anymore. But anyway, back five, six years ago when they were first doing them, it was kind of an event or whatever. And I used to try and go to every one of them because I love their beers, but I'd be dropping like two, 200 bucks on these, on these things. So, um, I bought a house and I moved out there and I just like straight up was honest with them. I'm like, I really want to review all, all your beers, but I, I don't, my budget right now is just not doing it. And so they're like, yeah, no problem at all. And so my friend went and then brought me back like boxes i was not expecting like just cases and i was i was kind of flabbergasted by it um and they're, they've just always been a really uh, amazing supporter of what i do talk me through how you've developed your your palette your your description something that i'm i struggle to do i know if i like a beer <laughs> i know if i don't like a beer how have you worked on that what, what steps have you taken to develop your description techniques um, a lot of reading other people's descriptions a lot of conversations with others but i think the 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 ultimate best thing to do is every time you have a beer write down notes even if it seems laborious or whatever it, it'll it'll start connecting the flavors in your mind and then you'll start recognizing them more and you'll be able to describe them more and then with that you'll develop your palate but not only develop your palate you'll develop the ability to write like not obviously just write sentences or whatever, but like write about specific flavors. And then over time you'll, you know, you know what a, a fennel or a, like a fennels will smell like versus, you know, esters or whatever. Like you, kind of, I mean, it's a lot of guessing anyway, to be perfectly honest, but, <laughs> and you kind of just make it up as you go along. No one really calls you on it. So, I mean, yeah, well, it's so subjective, right? <laughs> Part of it. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's almost the same thing with the, what I see as blue is it might not be what's actually blue to you, but we both learned it as being blue. Exactly. Yeah. Were you always someone that wrote? Um, well, I, I uh, have a degree in philosophy, so I did a lot of writing, but not a ton, but I always enjoyed it. And, and Beerism is pretty much the only writing that I do at this point. At what point did you feel... Because I feel, I said it before, I feel like you're the big boy of the craft beer. Maybe, maybe beer in blog. Quebec. Maybe in Quebec, for Anglo sure. Quebec, maybe. For sure, for sure. But uh, when did you feel like it was working? When did you feel like you had, you had well, made it? <laughs> about four years ago, I had this friend suggest that I buy a, a light box, which is basically just this canvas box where you position two lights on either side um, and you have like a, a, a neutral backdrop, whether it's white, black, blue, whatever you want. And I did that and started learning how to do photo editing. And that kind of changed things. So it was like my site looking for basically me with cell phone pics where I was like blurring out the background by with my finger on my cell phone or whatever. Like it, Like they didn't look, they looked i thought i always had an eye for it you know like i think i had an eye for like doing a good angle or whatever or just making sure the lighting was okay like i wasn't taking it in my living room in the dark you know um but they didn't look great and then when i started using a photo box and editing it kind of upped my game a lot and people you know it almost i kind of tricked everyone into making them think i'm a professional photographer within a very short period of time but it's something i've been working on for for quite a while and i think that was a a a huge boost in um my reputation 
uh, as, a, as a blogger because people like breweries want to see their beers in my photo box and that kind of helps right and well you present them always in the best light yeah, yeah. and and i kind of you know I, I don't have ocd but like i like it always to look the same and i think that's kind of become my thing you can always tell when it's yours like whenever yeah. i'm scrolling it's like oh okay there's no one yeah, yeah. um and I kind of—it's been consistent the whole way through. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, these? You mentioned Instagram coming in these influencers that want to do it just to get free beer. I've heard of a few things happening. Don't name anybody because the scene is too small. <laughs> but how do you feel about these people that are just going, taking crappy pictures, posting? You know, not the best reviews, maybe a few sentences versus what you—the work that you put in. How do you feel about that when you see something like that? It's tough because most of them are just trying to do what I did. It's just the medium. Like, if I was starting now, I would probably be doing the same things they are. I think where the problem lies is when people have these, for lack of a better term, like crappy Instagram accounts, and then have this expectation that people should be sending them stuff, and that they have this minimal following and then that requires breweries to send them free beer and get on their mail list and i find that gets sketchy and weird like i think you need to earn it spend a bit more time working on it before you can get there um so i mean i don't have a, i don't have anything against it it's just it's the reality of the situation and i don't think it's anyone's fault or you know as long as you're, you're not being a jerk about it i think it's it's fine <laughs> it's almost like uh, being a, a new band roping in some metal in here being a new metal band you know just forming jamming in your your parents basement or in a little exactly. jam room and expecting to open up hitting up promoters saying i want to open up for this tour coming through town and the thing is is, is a lot of breweries are doing it they're still sending stuff to all these people so they're enabling that right and I mean, at the end of the day, like who's to say that I or anyone else deserves anything more than anyone. But I, I, to your point where you're saying earlier, it is, it can be a little disheartening when you spend as much time as you do doing something uh, and you receive this say like, and then the guy who just takes a cell phone picture and doesn't even write a review, just writes, this is the beer. And then, you know, they're getting the samples too. And you're just going, okay. And I mean, I don't put as much effort as a lot of like vlogs do. Cause I know photo, um, video editing is just a nightmare. And mm-hmm. It takes it like time, weeks yeah. and weeks. Plus you have to look nice when you do it. Yeah, <laughs> But we always look nice. <laughs> yes. It's the illusion. <laughs> um, let's talk about metal just a little bit. Sure. Uh, are you a metal head? Do you listen to metal? Do you know what metal is? I think I know what metal is. Um, I used to be more. Um, I kind of went through musical phases. I think I, like when I was like 17, 18, I was in the... Do you remember a time period where like Canadian rock was like huge? When there was yeah, yeah, Moist yeah. and Our yeah. Lady Peace and I Mother Earth and all that. I, I went from that to discovering corn, and then being pretty much just exclusively into the the new better new metal or emo metal whatever they're calling it back then so i became like obsessed with that genre so deftones limp biscuit back then i saw slipknot the first time they came to montreal and the cold chamber show uh yeah i was there yeah and uh i, I got to see system of a down open for limp biscuit for the first time on their first album i was there we were yeah i was in the pit with like four other dudes <laughs> Surge was so fucked that night. Yeah. 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 It was a good show, though, because that album was amazing. But, um, you know, and then I kind of explored that whole, that that genre was was big for a while. 
for a good few years at least. And then that kind of morphed into, I guess, kind of like hardcore and stuff like that, which I listened to a little bit, and then I kind of faded away from it. I don't listen to much. I mean, I don't know if you'd consider metal, but Nine Inch Nails is probably my all-time favorite band, so I'm constantly into Nine Inch Nails to this day. So, Trent Reznor's a, yeah, he's a mastermind. Yeah, exactly. The Watchmen soundtrack was him, the new the new show. And it was, oh, I haven't checked it out. I got to check it out. It's good. He has just the ability to create this vibe that's unprecedented. It's amazing. But uh, other than that, I don't listen to Tom Metal these days. I still revisit Deftones because I feel like like Around the Fur and Adrenaline just don't like they don't age badly. Whereas in I don't think it's Corn, but I'm not. I, I just don't have it in me to listen to those albums anymore. There's just something about Deftones that just like I don't know. It's timeless. I agree. And Diamond Eyes were if you haven't gone down the Diamond Eyes it. path, it's on my phone, but I haven't given it the time you should i do like a lot of his side projects though like team sleep and um crosses i love yeah i've been waiting for that new album from them oh is that coming well I've, they've been teasing some stuff but i haven't seen anything happen. for crosses or team sleep uh crosses oh that's yeah. exciting how do you feel like i know because i can see my downloads i know when an episode is done better than other episodes mm-hmm. how do you gauge that your blog post was a success or not. Well, the fun thing is, is in the last couple of years, I stopped caring. Um, oh yeah. Whereas was was it before you were like, Oh yeah, I was obsessed with it. And it was more looking at my, my, my website stats because I'm actually pretty successful on Facebook, Facebook, which is a hard thing to do. I have more followers on Facebook than I do on Instagram because Instagram, I think you can build a bit quicker. Um, but Facebook gets me the most traffic by far. Like when I post an article, like, you know, if I, if I get, I don't know, 500 views of my article, um, I'll see that 499 of them because of Facebook and then one of them because Instagram, because okay. there's no linkability in Instagram, right? Like if it's I have hard. to tell somebody, go yeah. to my site and, and visit it to read my article, whereas on Facebook, they just click it. Um, but yeah, anyway, early on, I was obsessed with, with just going to see, and it was, it was discouraging, which is what we were talking about earlier with people quitting because like you post this article and you get like 40 hits and you're like, what does this mean? Like, what, what is, why am I doing yeah. this? Yeah. But, but when I, you know, as I was saying, when my photography got good and breweries were comfortable in asking me to review their beers and I, I got comfortable in asking them to review their beers. Um, you know, sometimes if I post something on Facebook and I get no hits, it's, uh, I, I find that annoying, but I barely check the, the website stats anymore. I mean, I'll look here and there. I'm like, okay, that's just, but it's, um, it's more for fun. And, um, there's such a, a rich community in Quebec and the beer scene, which exists mostly through Facebook. I've noticed. Um, and I have so many, I'm, I'm friends with, or I mean, friends in quotation because half of them I haven't met, but a lot of interaction with well, a lot of the brewers and owners online and this rich community that exists that I've, you know, fostered for the last few years. And so like, I don't really care. Um, if I really want to make this thing grow, I'd have to really change it. I've been on this like very slow, steady growth because I've been doing this for eight years and not much has changed in the last four. It's a long tail. So, that's really good. Yeah. Thing. So like, it, although it's successful, like there's no, like right now as it stands, there's no monetizing what I do unless I make some drastic changes or, you know, discuss it with professionals and figure stuff out and advertising and all that and, and promotion and but like if i keep it as is now i think i'd be i'm happy with it but 
it's not turn. I don't think it's turning into anything huge or, or greater than it is until I make a decision to do that. The biggest change would be what you'd go. That's the thing. I don't video, know. Which is, video, which so much podcast. Hard. I don't have the time. Like, although it takes time to, to edit photos and stuff and write, I can do that on my commute, but I have two little ones at home and they're my priority. So I don't even, uh, most of the time I'm with them. So I, I don't want to take anything on just yet. Maybe if I, you know, had a new job where I don't have to commute as long as I do every day and I had more free time than I could put into it. But right now it's not on the table. Tell me about when you're at a bar, let's say at your friend's bachelor party, mm-hmm. you're at a bar, there's no craft beer. What do you drink? It's been a while. Um, because I show up at everyone's house with a cooler. It's pretty sad. <laughs> it's true. I helped you carry it in. <laughs> yeah, I don't even mean like, because it's like we're having a little tasting tonight. But, you know, whenever I go to a friend's house, I'm the one who just brings the beer. So it's 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 also because um, I'm a bit of a collector of things. And I think you saw pictures of my cellar. I have several, several hundred bottles of beer. And... You know, I'm not saying this to gloat in any way, shape, or form, but I do receive a lot of uh, samples, so um, I end up with a constant surplus. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. You can't getting more than I'm drinking. So, like, whenever I go to someone's house, I'd, I'd rather be the one to be able to, to share and, and and provide them with with beers. Um, so, anyway, all I have to say though, if I was at uh, in a situation where I was there was no craft beer, I'd probably just drink whatever they gave me. Unless it was something really, really awful, like a, like some kind of fruit, sweet fruit, like macro thing that has like you know sugar in it or something. Um, I, I or, want. To, I, I'm, I'm I'm searching for your best of the worst. Oh, all right. Um, I haven't had one in so long. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Corona, maybe. Although I hate that skunkiness that they get because of the bottles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or it's like a Molson X or whatever. Levat 50 seems to be the answer that everyone gives. So I can go with that. That's my answer. <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, like in terms of the, 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 the wider um, offerings, I tend to go for anything Unibrew because I find they make uh, fantastic products. There, there, would right? be, so, there would be no craft beer scene in exactly. Quebec if it wasn't for that. Yeah, I'll go for like Blanche de Chamblay because that's often available where everything else. I'll take that over any other macro beer by far. It's still a solid, solid beer. Where do you think the Quebec craft beer scene is going? What is the next big style? Hazy IPAs are amazing. Do you think it's still happening? Uh, yeah, hazy IPAs aren't going anywhere. I don't know if the the up the upslope or whatever is going to slow down. It might, but it needs to grow more in Quebec anyway. Like we're eventually going to get to where the States is probably, and then maybe it'll plateau and slow down. Um, I think they get a bad rep, hazy IPAs, but I think as the province starts doing them better and better, the naysayers will probably start getting on board too. I think the, the, the challenge is that um, a lot of brewers, who aren't doing that thing um, are, are getting pressure to do it. And I think that's part of the problem, like, or not the problem, but you know, as much as people are into hazy IPAs, I think people need to be into other things too. And, and I think it's shifting towards everyone wanting to do this, just like drink this one thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what about all these other things and all these people who have businesses that are creating these other things? Let's, let's support that as well. Um, but in terms of 
uh, I think the the biggest new trend we're going to see, which has already started, is the the pastry stouts, and uh, you know, Buck Canada has done some really spectacular ones, which we're going to drink tonight. Um, but not with you guys, no. But uh, yeah, so that's I think probably going to become more and more uh, seen around here. Otherwise, I mean, there was the whole Brit IPA thing. I actually even brewed a collab with Sutton. Um, but that seems to have died down. I don't think that's going to rise a back brood up. Yeah. 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 That was almost at the, I, actually, I think it's your article oh. that made me start <laughs> hunting for them and trying to find them. Yeah. Well, it was so, it's so interesting how things trend now, right? Because what happened was there was this, this small brewery in California that created it as a style. And then within like days, everyone in the country and Canada and the world were brewing these beers that have never tried the original. So I think like the main article about it came out and within a month or two, I was already brewing the collab with Sutton and we were just guessing. Um, and for those beers, it's essentially just like, like just to let everyone know, um, it's basically brewing an, uh, an aromatic IPA, but they put this enzyme to, to really bring the sugars down as which low is what they normally do in high alcohol exactly yeah. i mean some um it, it's it's basically a way of fermenting the sugars out um but but keeping the body and whatever but the idea being that you use it in like a lower alcohol ipa and then you get this really like ultra clear ultra drinkable um super dry super dry like basically no sugar no residual sugars at all and, and super drinkable and when they're done well they're they're quite good they're just not they're not as exciting. They're kind of the opposite of haze, and haze seems to be. It's just so pleasant for the palate. Like it's it's become the breakthrough beer. People love the idea of drinking. It's basically orange juice in a can, you know. So it's hard to compete with that. Or I guess chocolate in a bottle is competing with. That. It's it's good. It's good. I like it. I always put it to the. You know, if you got to listen to Nickelback to make <laughs> your way Nickelback to Cannibal Corpse, <laughs> you know, a, a hazy beer can lead you to something more interesting, hypothetically. So I'm all about that. How did you like the, uh, the Keller good. Black it's, Space it's, It went down easily. Surprisingly. Dangerous. 19%. And it's five years old, so it's probably more now even. Maybe. But it's really, uh, it really aged well. I'm very impressed. It's good. Cheers to McKellar. Yeah. Um, they they rarely do wrong. Yeah, no, they're 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 great. Noah, thank you so much. Thanks for having taking me. the time, sitting down with me, Fox and Hops. I'd love to do it again. Drinking beer. We're gonna do more stuff together. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. I had such a great time with Noah. Such a great time that night. If you follow me on social media, you saw that I did a thirteen. Belgian-style blind taste test alongside him and with Craig from the BAOS podcast and Derek from the Multitasker. It was such a great night. Crazy, crazy overindulgence, but sometimes, you know, you just got to do that. Huge shout-out to Noah. When I started down my craft beer path, starting out Vox and Hops, beerism.ca was one of the sites that I gravitated towards to try to learn more about the craft beer scene. So it was an absolute pleasure to finally sit down and have a chat with you for Vox and Hops. This past week, due to popular demand, the Vox and Hops Cuff Knit Beanies are back in stock on the Big Cartel page. 
The best way to support the Vox and Hops podcast is to go to the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. You can find the link to that in the description of this podcast. Any support that I receive is greatly appreciated, and there would be no Vox and Hops podcast without you, the Vox and Hops heads. I hope that you guys have a great weekend. Remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there.